Let's just pray for a moment. Father, we come to your word. And we pray, Lord, that you will open all of our hearts, that we might receive your truth, that we might believe your word, that we might obey your word to us today. Lord, lead us in our meditation of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to turn again to Romans chapter 8, we're going to be looking at the passage just read. Uh, there in in Romans 8. <clears throat> a number of years ago, some of our men's group from Brushane went down to the activity center at Bush Mills. There are all kinds of things that you can do there, archery and, and other, well, I can't remember what all the activities were, but the one that stands out in my mind was this high pole that you could climb. And the idea was to climb this pole and get up onto a small platform that was at the top of that pole. Now, in doing so, you were fitted with, with some kind of a belt or girdle that was held by a strong tether. And the instruction was that you make your way as best you may up this pole. Uh, but if, if you slip or if anything goes wrong, don't be afraid. This rope will hold you tight. So, of course, I'm climbing the pole and I'm doing okay initially. But uh, I think there were others maybe up ahead of me and the pole was shaking and I'm sweating, and eventually my stomach's turning, and I'm feeling not good at all. And I'm looking up at this, this board that I'm supposed to try and get onto, and realizing I can't do this. And you look down, and it's a long way down. And then you remember the words, you're tied to this rope. Just let go. And letting go, I dangle safely out into the air and I am let down safely to the ground. The rope holding me fast. I'll come back to that thought in just a moment. Paul's letter to the Christian church or to the Christians at Rome is a letter that progresses along the line of highlighting the sinful nature of man in the opening chapter and the condemnation of God against the sin of the people. Then we have the provision of a Redeemer in that great chapter of 5 about the justification by faith in the Redeemer and our acceptance into the family of God. And in a new relationship with God, the believer, while still in conflict with the desires and attractions of the flesh, is now able with the help of the Holy Spirit to overcome those desires. And in chapter 8, Paul shows believers how God's love is like that strong rope. God's love is, is powerfully holding us, and God's hand or rope will not break even when under pressure when we fall. And that, in a sense, is the, 
the essence or the heart of what Paul is saying in these verses in chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. It is about the believer's present and normal experience. And the original writings of the books didn't have chapter breaks, and chapter 7 would run naturally into chapter 8. And in chapter 7, Paul is highlighting the agony that, was, that is caused by sin remaining in our lives. He talks about the battle and the conflict that he himself endured in his life. And then he moves into chapter 8 where he looks at the believer's present experience of new life walking in the Spirit. And we have in verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We're not dependent upon ourselves, because that's so much of what Paul talks about in earlier chapters, how particularly Jews were depending upon their, their keeping the law of God and their works that they would do in obedience to the law of God that would ultimately gain them favor with God and entrance into heaven. Paul has pointed out in earlier chapters that there is none righteous, not even one, not even those who think they've kept all of the law. But he's able to move them on to see the glory that is, that is in Christ Jesus and what it means to be justified by faith in Christ. And now he's talking about walking in the Spirit. Now, we all know what it is to slip or to fall into sin, don't we? It might be a wrong th thought that, that leads you off in a wrong direction. It leads to a sense of guilt. Why am I thinking these things? Why am I doing this? Because the flesh is at work within us. Or maybe it's a busy life that means lack of time spent with God in worship and devotion. Or perhaps you've allowed a friendship to develop that, that you know is wrong, but you can't find a way out of it. Your relationship with God begins to suffer because your relationship the world, with the world has taken preeminence. And what Paul wants to bring us to see is that when we come in faith to Jesus Christ, that we can repent of our sin and we can find ourselves in that right relationship with God because there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the concern for Paul is to address the dilemma that believers face as a result of the ongoing conflict between the flesh and the spirit and what it means to be walking in the Spirit. And the first thing that Paul highlights here is there is no condemnation. Verse 1 to 4, no condemnation, for God has done what the law, what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. God has condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. And Paul is saying to us, remember your condition under the law. 
as an unbeliever, enslaved, unable to break free, facing the death penalty. When you read chapters 1 and 2 of Romans, that's where all people are. But being in Christ Jesus, you're no longer in a state of condemnation. Grace has set you free. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. What a, what a, a joyful moment that is to sing and to say. Grace sets us free. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Being justified, we're no longer under condemnation. It is, if, it is as if God has taken us away, just if I'd never sinned, as some have put it. And we have peace with God. It's like being under new management. I hope I've the right verse here. It's just 4-4. Four, four. I, I meant to check that earlier. No, I think it's... Seven four. Yeah, my Paul writes, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. It's like coming under new management. The old manager is the law. No, we live our lives, in a sense, by the law. Do right, do wrong. And many people try to do more, more right than to do wrong. But that in itself, we know, is, is not enough to, to gain our favor with God. And so, by grace, God brings us to himself through faith in Jesus Christ. And we come under this new management, which is in Christ, that we may bear the fruit of God. We belong to another. Who do we belong to? We belong to God. We are reconciled to God. That old manager, the law, no longer rules. The new manager, the Holy Spirit, has brought in a new regime of liberty that leads to eternal life. But Paul has stated in chapter 7 words that we're all familiar with, his, his struggle to do what is right when he talks about the, the, the right things that he wanted to do. I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. It is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. It's a struggle to live under grace because the Christian on earth is a part-rescued person. We have been justified by faith. We have been reconciled to God. But our final salvation is not yet complete. And we all struggle with this indwelling sin that, that Paul speaks about in, in 7, 16 and, and 17. When I do what, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. The focus now in chapter 8 is upon who is in control. Who sits in the office, making the decisions, directing the workforce. Formerly that was the law at work within us. 
telling you to do this, do that, do the other. There was no chance of living a holy life when you kept falling and failing because Paul has pointed out that no one can fully keep the law. It can tell us what to do, but it doesn't give us the power to do it and to keep it. But Paul is able to say to us, God changed all that by sending his son. God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Likeness here means similar but different. Veiled in flesh, Jesus comes among us, the Son of God. Jesus looked just like mankind. He could be tempted, he was tempted in the wilderness. We are tempted, but being also God, he did not sin. Adam was tempted. Adam fell. Jesus was tempted. Jesus overcomes. He lived a perfect life. He came into the world to deal specifically with sin. God has placed sin on him. He condemned sin in the flesh. And we sing the words, because the sinless Savior died, the wrath of God is satisfied. Paul uses a word, a lovely old word, propitiation in his writings. John uses it once as well in one of his letters. But it's a word that, that speaks about sacrifice being made. Jesus takes the penalty, the punishment, the condemnation for the sins of many, us included. God receives and accepts the payment that Christ has made and is satisfied with that payment so that he can justify those who trust in him. And therefore, being justified by faith, we can also hear Paul saying, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God placed on him the iniquity of us all, the punishment and the death penalty that we deserved to take ourselves. There's no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus because in death, sin has been, in his death, sin has been condemned already. And the righteous requirement of the law is met in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And God will not exact from us a second payment. We don't live our lives asking the question, did Jesus do enough for me? Will God be happy that, that I'm trusting in Jesus and, and him alone? Of course he is. And his word makes that so clear. The power of the old manager has been destroyed and the new manager desires that you live a new life of obedience to him. And things will be different under the new manager. 
faith in Christ leads to new spirit your life where the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in our hearts, enabling us to fulfill the requirements of the law. Yes, there will be temptations. They'll still come. Sometimes they'll come at us hard and heavy. But grace overcomes temptation. The power of God is at work in us and with us. We have the Holy Spirit to help us. We can say no to sin. We can say no to temptation because God is our helper and his grace is sufficient. And it is because we can have this assurance, this knowledge that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ, we can live confident lives. We're not at freedom to go out and sin because there's no condemnation and go out and do whatever we want because there's no condemnation. But we know that if we do sin, and sadly we will, we can confess our sin to Jesus and he will forgive us our sin. And there is now no condemnation. We walk in the Spirit. The Christian is different from a non-Christian. The whole principle of life has changed. Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. And isn't that where people spend their lives thinking about themselves and what they can do to enjoy life for themselves? And very often it is, it is a, an unsavory kind of life. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Our desire is to walk with God, to walk in paths of righteousness, as the psalmist put it, to do what is right and good and pleasing in God's sight. So, believer, now you are free from sin ruling your heart. But indwelling sin is still around. There is still a conflict of the flesh and the spirit within us. You're not as wicked as the world, praise God. But you're not yet as righteous as you will become because the resurrection day will complete the work. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What a blessing that is for us, what a thing, great, great thought for us to know. But there's a second, there's a second blessing here with wet life in the Spirit. There is the hope of resurrection. Look at verse, we're going to look through from 5 to 11. And in particular there at verse 11, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. By contrasting the life of the believer with that of the unbeliever, Paul highlights how walking in the Spirit must make a difference. Outwardly, there is no visible difference. Ordinary people living in, we're ordinary people living in the same, uh, same worlds, go to the same shops, we do the same work, we use the same shops, go to the same schools, I said shops twice, but it's like two factories. The difference rests not in the outward appearance, but in how each is managed. 
in one that control is self-centered rule of law. In the other, it is the spirit-filled rule of grace. And the ruling principle of the unbeliever is self. Five, beginning of 5a, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Self-satisfaction rules. Such are without Christ, they cannot please God. They're even hostile to God. Verse 7, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I don't know you all this evening. I imagine that a Sunday evening, a gathered congregation, and certainly the great majority of you are already those who are in the Spirit. You come to faith in Jesus Christ, you know what it is to be set free from sin. But if perhaps there's someone here this evening, you haven't come to that point in your life, then according to Paul's writing here in Romans, you're, you're still in the flesh. You're walking in the flesh. You're living in the flesh. You're satisfying the desires of the flesh. And Paul again would say is that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So therefore, it's, it's important that, that you hear God's word saying to you to, to trust and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, to turn away from, from those attractions to the things of the flesh and turn to the things of Jesus Christ that satisfy our hearts, that remove the condemnation and bring new life into the soul. And I would encourage you to Consider that way of salvation that is so clearly set out for us in God's Word. The ruling principle for the believer is the Spirit of God. Those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Christ. And the wages of this life are peace with God, eternal life. Governed by a new manager, one who is sent there by the king himself. Jesus said, when I have ascended into heaven, I will send the Holy Spirit. He will be with you. Believers are made alive in Christ. Therefore, the mind of every believer must be to please the master who desires godliness. And yet the tension of the old nature remains to frustrate our walk in the Spirit. The believer, sadly, will still commit sins, but he will also agonize over those sins, and he will come with tears to cleanse and to be made righteous, to Christ to cleanse and make righteous. But the believer has this hope of resurrection that one day will lift him from this fallen world and be renewed in Christ, made perfect in Christ. God who raised Christ from the dead gives life to our mortal bodies. Now we are taught in our catechism that souls of believers are at their death are absent from the body and present with the Lord, that our souls are immediately in the presence of God. 
that our bodies, though they decay on the ground, will be raised on the last day, the day of resurrection, to be a new body in heaven that God has prepared for, in heaven where God has prepared a place for us. The hope of resurrection. God has given us his Holy Spirit. He comes to dwell in us. His influence is upon us and within our lives. And one day he will raise us to glory, united with Christ our Lord forever. So it's the Holy Spirit who enables us to say no to sin, to resist the charm and the appeal of the flesh, to run away from temptation as Joseph ran away from Potiphar's wife. And it will require daily consecration as you take up the cross, as you deny self, as you walk in the Spirit with Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation. There is a hope of, of resurrection. There is, thirdly, assurance of salvation. It is plain that a true believer cannot live like the unconverted. That's what Paul would, would say to us. Coming by faith into Christ, we have an obligation to walk in the Spirit, which will mean that we put to death the impulses and the activities of the flesh. And it's not a, a, we, a simple let go and let God do this for us. And, and you could easily take that out of my the, the analogy I used or the the story I told at the beginning. It's not just let go and let God. There's more to it than that. I'm coming to it. Neither do we do this in our own strength. That would be works of the law. But by the Spirit working in us. It is by the grace of God working in us that we put to death that old way of living. It is the Spirit working in us that it enables us to show that we belong to Christ by living a holy life as we walk in the Spirit. That we are climbing and persevering, yet knowing that if we slip, God does not let go. That's the important thing. We confess our sins knowing there is no condemnation. I did climb that pole with perseverance. I did stand on the platform on the top of that pole. May you wear chuff that I did. But I had to work all the way up that pole. The rope doesn't pull me up. Brothers and sisters, God calls us to walk with him. We have to do the walking the climbing, the persevering. For his hand is holding to our hand. He will not let us go. That's our comfort. In walking in the Spirit, God is with us. But he expects us to work on it, work hard at it, not giving up. Believers have a new relationship with God. It's not one of fear but it's about belonging. Justified by faith, we're adopted and accepted into the family of God, and that adoption guarantees our salvation as the sons of God, the children of God. And we speak of God as our Father. We can say, Abba, Father, words that were used lovingly by Jesus himself. 
because God is our Father, our loving Father in heaven. And the work of the Spirit makes us aware that we have become the true children of God. We belong to Him. And as heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, we have assurance of salvation. And we have the promise of a great inheritance being kept in heaven for us, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation. We are climbing every day with Jesus. And there's days it won't be easy. And there's days when we'll slip. But God doesn't let go. And it is this blessed hope that gives us confidence to press on. To press on with the battle against sin day after day. Yes, my first attempt, I failed. I fell. But then I went at it again. And if we just simply gave up because we've slipped, then it will be a hopeless kind of life. But God, God brings us to himself. God gives us his Holy Spirit. And by his Spirit, he enables us to keep on pressing on. To walk in the Spirit is to walk with Christ. And that doesn't mean that we'll escape suffering and trouble. As co-heirs with Christ, we must share in his life. And as the world hated Christ, it will hate his followers also. But Christ has called us to walk with him. And if necessary, to suffer with him and for him. In order that we may be glorified with him. Walking in the Spirit means there is now no condemnation. There is hope of resurrection. There is assurance of salvation. In Christ, we are set free from the condemnation of the law with its death penalty. And yet we're not free to live and to live as we please, but to live and walk in the Spirit, guided and guided and governed by the Word of God, our Heavenly Father. And so as I close, I pray that it will be your heart's desire to live and to walk in paths of righteousness all the days of your life. With the confidence that we have from God's Word, that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That we will be, that as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies. And to know that we belong to him as his children, the assurance of our salvation. May God bless his word to all our hearts this evening and help us to walk in the spirit day by day as his witnesses in the world we live in. Let's pray together.